I finished the um, the first book of the Horus Heresy, Horus Rising, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't think I was going to finish it before this podcast, but I had finished it at about uh, 4.30. Oh, an hour ago. Yeah, an hour ago. Right before but I got it was, home. It was 12 hours and 15 minutes or 12 yeah. hours and 45 minutes or something. I don't think the other ones are quite that long, but they are long, like at yeah. least nine or 10 hours, I believe. I mean, it's broken up into multiple parts, I mm-hmm. think, three parts mm-hmm. in all. So that's nice because if I were to read it and it were in actual physical form, I could see that being kind of daunting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was broken up and it was pretty much like three different books, but it makes sense that they were combined because it followed a continuous story with the same group of people moving from one planet to the next, pretty much. Dan Abnett is really good at doing smaller stories and having them tie in. He's been a comic book writer, so he can do things Mm. that are 20, 30 pages long and then have it make that be a contained story and do that over long sections. Yeah, Hmm. he's really, really good. I don't know that that's where he started. I think he started... I honestly don't know, but I believe that he was writing for Black Library and then went to write things like Aquaman and he's written for DC and Marvel. Yeah. I like his style. He's good. It's very clear, <laughs> very punchy. Like I have no trouble seeing anything that is happening. Yeah. It's it's not only that though. It's not, I mean, I guess it's not dry is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems poetic at times. And I've said that before, um, I think last time we were talking. Yeah, I noticed that. But there are just certain things that had stood out to me and just kind of made me go, hmm. Or I found myself laughing while I was listening. Yeah, I asked you the other night. You were building. I posted a picture of you building some (laughs) ad mech all hunched over. over. We can talk about that post in a second. (laughs) Well, not the one on YouTube, but the one on Reddit. But you were listening and you were chuckling at some different points. And I asked you what were actually might not even been the same night, but whatever. It was the same thing happening on a different night. Yeah. And I asked you if you knew what you were chuckling about. And you said... You weren't sure, so that's a good story. Yeah. Fun story, Del. They're just some of the characters that kind of cracked me up. Like, some of the remembrancers were kind of funny. Like, mm-hmm. was it Ignace? Ignace Carcassy? Ignace He's Carcassy. the older kind of Gandalfy guy. That's at least how I envisioned him. Yeah. I imagined him yeah, kind, of kind of tall lanky, and yeah. lanky and, uh, I don't know, scuttling through the, the ship almost like a tech priest might, but without being a tech priest. Yeah, he just seemed very much in his own world. Right. And I liked how later on in the story, after you see what he does on Planet 6319 in part one. What does he do there? He gets wasted. He gets really drunk. Oh. Because he, he ends up leaving the ceremony that's happening at the beginning of the story, um, or at least at the beginning of the point where he is in the story, and he wanders off into the city on this planet. Oh, I'm the, vaguely remembering this. Yeah. Um, that they landed on. And he starts to just kind of uh, scope out the planet because he, he was really curious about it. And he found signs of like worship. Um, there were like, yeah. churches and things like that. And then there were various phrases that were scattered about the city. And he was jotting them down in these notebooks that he carries with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he stumbled into this tavern and he was trying to communicate with the barmaid. Or whoever was serving drinks and she just wasn't saying anything to him. He could understand like a couple words, right? No, she just wasn't talking to him. She was just staring at him, just blank faced. And he was trying to talk to her and then he was saying, I've heard this money works here. And he like drops all his money on the the counter and she doesn't say anything or pick it up or anything. I think she spits on it. (laughs) And he's pointing at the bottles on the wall behind the barmaid Mm, or barkeep. mm -hmm. And 
there's not a whole lot interesting about this story or part of the story in particular. That I was scene. Just, yeah, I was yeah. just pointing to a character and his funny little adventure that we follow for a short time. And eventually he gets to a point where he's beat up by some Astartes to the point where his like sternum cracks and blood comes out of yeah, his well, mouth. How did that happen? We were li- reading the fandom. He, what is he saying? He's saying that there's something um, – he, he's saying like nothing lasts forever. And oh, the, the like great even crusade, the Imperium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Great Crusade is end. basically like a waste of time. Oh, in, in the grand point. scheme of yeah, things, yeah. because the Imperium of Man will end at some point. Like, right. And that's interesting in this story, in this book in particular, how um, a lot of the remembrancers – in general, are artists, and, and they're just kind of like this subculture that is brought along and brings this new, I don't know, air or, or really culture, I guess, yeah. to to a story that would otherwise maybe be kind of dry. Yeah. So then they leave that planet, right? That were there on that 693 one? Uh, 6319. 6319, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they end up leaving that planet. What were um, they there for originally? Oh, because of the false emperor. Yeah. Okay. And there were humans on the planet, and yeah. the planet itself was a replica of Terra, basically. Yeah, I think that was really neat, the way that they did that. I don't know how much thought and time went into that, but and I don't even know when this book was published, but I think it's been in the last 10 or 15 years. Hmm. I think it's fairly recent. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I really strongly believe that it was in the last, let me see here, because... You can say some more about where they go after this because I'm curious about this. Um, well, uh, one of the main characters throughout the whole book, Loken, decides to keep um, some of the... Gosh. They're like the main... Like, I'm terrible with names. Um, the Mornival? Gosh, no, not the Mornival. He is a commander of a particular army and it's Horus's... Like, Seed, basically, like his gene seed. What are they? Their faction or, or like the Adeptus Asardes? But he is within a oh, certain the lunar army. Wolves? Yeah, the lunar wolves. There we go. Luna wolves. Luna wolves? Yeah, L U N A. Luna wolves. Okay. I just thought it was the accent because the mm. narrator of the story that I was listening to mm. had a British accent. Yeah. So um, this was published. It, uh, Horse Heresy was, or Horse Rising was published in 2006. So it's only been out for 14 years. And there have been a lot of other 40K stories of, that have been written well before that. I mean, this has been a thing since the 80s. Hmm. And I think that is when they really started going, let's let's do, go back to see how we got to where we are in the 40K universe and really build on and this. That's and when they, they talked about the 30K? Then? Yeah, that's 30K. Oh. So well, yeah, yeah, I they, know this is, but that's when they started writing about 30K? I, I think so. There might have been other stories I don't know that existed before the horse heresy, the small stories, but that's when they really went going at it and hmm. in detail. And, yeah, and yeah. started this 50, 60 odd book series saga hmm. that they're in now. It's it's very interesting. I understand that Horace turns into some baddie at yeah, some point. The but, ultimate baddie. But when when we're well, following aside him, from the chaos gods, I, I suppose. Throughout this story, they go to three different planets, mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a pretty significant character yeah. throughout this book. But I. I respect him, right? From from what I've heard about him, like even at the very end when they're on this planet for the Interrex, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what the we tried to find name. their planet. I but I mean, name. we didn't do a huge deep dive before this, but we couldn't find their planet's name. It might have just been Interrex, and they are the Interrex. No, no, no okay. it had, that was mentioned in the book. I just don't remember it. Okay. Um, 
But when he was there, he was speaking out about not following the emperor to a T and, and his goal with the Great Crusade. Wait, wasn't this to the Mornval? You, you were telling yeah, me this before. The Mornval and perhaps some other characters, I'm not sure, um, were there. And was they it, were having a conversation with Horus. Did the Lodge come up? Have you heard about the Lodges yet? The Lodge? Is that that Brotherhood? The yeah. Fraternity? Yeah. 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 That's prior to this conversation. Okay. I think that happens in like part two or something. Okay. Um, which is kind of a weird thing. The whole idea is, oh, we can go here and we can have, we can share our thoughts and no rank doesn't matter and we can speak freely. But they also, Loken is kind of like, this is all, you're meeting in secret and I don't like this. Yeah. It just feels very cult-like. Yeah. It is kind of like a cult, um, the Lodge in particular. But I I do see some good sides to it, which is, like you just pointed out, there is no rank and so the individuals that are all working together in this army can kind of connect. And then perhaps that creates like a stronger, I don't know, army on the battlefield. That's the thing perhaps. I like the most about these opening books. I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to the horse rising false gods and galaxy and flames. And then I'm reading or listen, I'm sorry. I'm listening to the Barry dagger, which is 50 odd books later on down the road. Um, and I haven't, I think maybe I've listened to some of the other ones. I've listened to some of the Garrow books that are intermixed in there, hmm. but they do a really good job. And I say they, because it's not just Dan Abnett that writes these books. There's three different authors that write that opening trilogy of making you go, huh, I do see the sides here. And it's not just, oh, the bad guys are yeah. clear cut bad and they're murdering children and beating and smashing puppies in the streets. And, oh, they just do all the bad things and they're raping and pillaging and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, they're clearly bad. And then the good guys are, they're defending and they're all, it's there. There's conflicts. Gavriel's the most 2d character. Gavriel Loken. He's just kind of, I'm the good guy. I'm captain America. Good guy. Yeah. But he is also willing to keep an open mind. Right. And even Horace points to him and says, like, you're an intelligent being. Mm-hmm. Yes, please be in my little guard, mm-hmm. my Mournval. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that. You, you see him questioning things. Yeah, I'm not him. saying that he doesn't have dimension to him. I'm saying of all these various oh, characters, yeah. he's the most, from what I recall, the most kind of clear cut, yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of. I, I just, I think that the length that these books are written mm-hmm. in which they're written lends itself well to the um, audience figuring out uh, more about the universe that just builds and builds and builds yeah yeah on, on it so. you were saying and it might be in that that meeting that you were just mentioning that Horace was telling whoever else was there that he's he doesn't agree with the emperor's approach to the great crusade of Basically, fall in line with the Imperium or be obliterated. Yeah, he he was kind of changing his mind on it, and part of the influence for that decision, mm-hmm. as far as I remember, has to do with a conversation that he had with the Emperor, in which the Emperor, like when when Horus was a child, basically, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Emperor was telling him, "You will lead." my army like you will lead us all mm-hmm. into the future but mistakes are what will prevent us from getting what we want and he was kind of reflecting on that being um in this position that he's in 
mm-hmm. in this story mm-hmm. because he is new as the war master. Like that's his new title and he's taken over for the emperor while the emperor kind of recedes and goes back to Terra. Right. Um, so the war master Horus is to lead everybody else and it's this huge undertaking. Um, so we're kind of following him along his path in the early days. But I, I want um, you to clarify yeah. from what you recall of yeah. him talking about him not agreeing with the emperor because the emperor said, apparently, according to Horus at this point, the emperor claimed X. Like Yeah, like the emperor claimed um, if people don't fall in line, yeah. then you either force them to fall in line and but agree this with is us from, or destroy them. This is via Horus's retelling of this conversation, right? Like, we don't see a flashback of the emperor saying that. Yeah, we do not see a flashback. Okay. The reason I'm asking this is because in the book that I'm listening to, the emperor, there's a scene where the emperor, I'm pretty sure it's the emperor. It hasn't been described as him yet, but I think I'll find out that it is him. It's it's either him or some head guy of the Adeptus Custodes that lands on Barbarus, which is uh, um, Martarian's home planet. Hmm. That he got flung to when he was a kid. Okay. He's one of the Primarchs. He's oh, a Primarch wow. of the Death Guard, oh. who is Garrow's, who you'll meet later on, I think, chapter. Oh, okay. They're, they're known as being extremely extremely resilient. They can breathe toxins. Oh, they yeah. can wade in sludge. And, like, toxics, anything doesn't bother them. Well, there's it jumps back and forth in time, the story that I'm listening to. And... It goes to Mortarian, kind of how he got to where he is and kind of overthrowing these evil leaders on this planet, Barbarous, this hor- horrible wasteland of a planet. Okay. And where I'm at, this eagle, as it's been described, this golden eagle, flying eagle, like the people are kind of peasants and they don't know any way else to describe it. It's a mm-hmm. giant mechanical okay. eagle. Yeah. And it turns out it's this a flying machine okay. that's landed up on this this kind of the, the top, the parapets of this castle. And so more... Uh, Mortarian and Typhon, Callan, Callus, Typhon, Typhus, his like second in charge, his main dude, who later on kind of betrays him and they have this big falling out and problems ensue down the road. Hmm. But they're there. And this person that I'm pretty sure is the emperor says, you're not doing what you thought you could do. You're, you're failing at overthrowing these people. And he's like, I'm not playing. Like, we're, we're winning the war. He's like, yeah, but you still haven't overthrown that you're your main bad guy on this planet. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to, we're, we're getting to that point. He's like, okay, tell you what you go and do that on your own because the emperor earlier to this, like, I want to bring this planet back into the Imperium. Again, I think it's the emperor that hasn't been clearly spelled out, but I'm pretty sure it is given what he's saying and the way that the tone of voice is pretty sure it is. The point that I'm getting to is that at one point he says, if you can do this by yourself, Mortarian, go and overthrow the main bad guy on this planet, I will leave you alone and go away forever. Because mm-hmm. Mortarian is like, I, we don't want your help. We don't want to be part of the Imperium. He doesn't even know who he is. And he's like, I can tell you about your birth and where you come from. He's like, I don't care. I just want to like lead these people and hmm. and just do what I'm doing here. And the imp- that's why I think it's the Emperor, because he's like, I can tell you about where you came from and all that. Like, hmm. there's, you're part of this thing. And, and so the reason I'm mentioning this is because it makes me wonder is Horus making up that stuff? Well, I, that's the thing. I don't know that it is Horus who has said that specifically because it's a conversation. And it's oh. as though everyone is speaking about the Emperor and the reason why they're doing what they're doing and the reason behind the Great Crusade. 
Okay, I thought you said it was Horace Reed. Even no, no, it it was just I don't know who specifically had said it. I see. But Horace had said, and it turned heads, and there was silence after he said it. He said, "I, I, I was put in charge as the War Master to make decisions in place of the Emperor. So if I can't make this decision, then it's not me, you know, um, turning like turning my back on the Emperor. It's me." sort of guiding us where I think we should go. Because when the Emperor had apparently created the Great Crusade or, or like started this movement, he it, it was like a long time ago, like two centuries ago from the point of the story, I think. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the world and the universe and what they knew about it was very different than what they know now. And they, yes, they've encountered Xenos, but at that point, of the emperor making this rule, I guess if you want to call it that, Horace is saying that the emperor was kind of ignorant in that, in thinking that anyone who isn't a part of the Imperium um, is Xenos and just like can't be reasoned with. Mm. But he has met in his adventures since Horace has um, people from, or, or like individuals from other races that can be reasoned with and maybe shouldn't be wiped out. Hmm. And he's starting to question, like, is that the right thing to do? And what right do we have? Yeah. And the reason I mentioned that little snippet from the book that I'm listening to, and it's important to note here, a little side thing, is that all of these writers, they have meetings together. I don't know if it's via Zoom, hmm. but it's not just, oh, I'm going to write a story and then I'll read your story or you'll tell me the key points. But they discuss, they have like writing meetings, like, where do we want the story to go? And what about this? Yeah, Yeah, really helpful. Yeah, because the, this book ends with a lead into where they're going to head next. But yeah, anyway. and in the book that I am reading, The Lords of Silence, which is another a Death Guard book, uh, at the end of it, in the acknowledgments, the author, uh, Chris Wright, he thanks Guy Haley, I think, for like helping him keep track of where everybody is and why they're doing their thing. So they, they're mm-hmm. in conversations. I get the impression that once you become a black library author, you kind of like, Hey, can I email so-and-so because I need to know some information about these people and like why they did yeah. that. And like, and then they'll get that, some insights and like, Oh, okay. Now I can yeah. make sense of this. And you, or c- I imagine there would be like an archive somewhere or I'm picturing like a, a web of information. Their own wiki or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah something maybe like they that. might have an internal thing that you could reference. I have no idea. That would, their it own just black seems like library. Anything to have. Black library. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but I'm saying that because, as I've said, no, I'm saying that. I'm saying that. I'm saying that. Broken record over here. Because I wonder if somebody put that idea. Or in Horace's mind that the Emperor isn't okay with leaving planets alone. Because it mm. seems like he is, given what's happened here. Or you mean, in the book that I'm listening to, yeah. The Buried Dagger. He's okay. like, okay. Or maybe he knows that it's impossible for Martarian to do this. So he just gives him this thing because he knows that he'll fail. Because the, the deal was, you do it alone and I leave you alone. And you can hand, you can, this will basically be your planet. You, you do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And the Imperium will leave the system alone. Or... If you can't do it alone, then you clearly need our help. So maybe he knows that he can't do it alone. Huh. Well, there was a conversation in this book towards the end between Horace and Loken. And uh, I think Abaddon may have been there. And then the individual that Horace really looks to for wisdom. His name starts with an S. 
I'll have to look it up. It's like hmm. Skylark. Don't think it's, it's Skylar. That sounds like a Skylark. super no. white dude. Well, no. That makes pancakes with Tanner. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> he, gosh. Dang it, I'm so bad with names. I'll get better. Mm. Um, so. Sir Janus? Sir Janus? No, because he died. Uh, That's who Logan replaces in the Mournival. Um, it's, it's somebody. Anyway, there was a conversation happening, and in it, Horace was saying something about how when when like leadership is diluted mm-hmm. and more individuals are taking up responsibility rather than just being one individual making all of the decisions because one person can't take of, take care of everything they have to split up the responsibilities mm-hmm. then those individuals that take up the responsibilities that are a little bit lower in the hierarchy mm-hmm. Like they have flaws mm-hmm. and they have their own agendas and mm-hmm. they will twist things or or create systems that weren't supposed to be there in the first place. And he's referring to taxes in mm-hmm. this conversation in particular and how he doesn't believe in a certain tax system. Like okay. That's what started the whole conversation. Mm. And so I'm thinking about that and what you just said about the emperor having certain ideas or them being alluded to that may not actually be what other people have taken them to mean or maybe people have twisted the interpretation or maybe like when you play telephone the message has been changed quite a bit because even in this book that i I read horace rising or not read listen to um there's an individual a human i think she actually is a remembrancer Mm -hmm. and loken went to visit her and she has this miniature shrine in a little pamphlet that she had gotten from one of her i don't know cohorts or friends or something i'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. who's another human and it has to do with the god emperor the vitio divinitatis the divinitatio divinitatis or something like that it might not have a title at this point but she said it was a very crude document and Mm -hmm. there were a lot of um misspelled words but basically the message is the god emperor is here to protect us. So mm-hmm. basically just put your faith in him. And she was worshiping him like a god. Mm-hmm. And she had a shrine in her closet. And yeah. that, that is frowned upon by many. Yeah, uh, because the whole idea is the emperor has been trying to expunge all religion from the thing. And this is where I a lot of speculation can come up with people going, did the god emperor really want all religion to be expunged? Or did he actually know that all of these events would happen? Did he know that Horus was going to rebel against him? And did he know that it would lead to where things are at in the 40-ish millennium that it's at now? That's hard to say. Well, of course it's hard to say. Because there's a conversation the Emperor had with Magnus in the book that I listened to just before Horus Rising, Mm. um, where he's talking to Magnus and he's telling Magnus what he's going to be doing further down the road. It's like he, he had foresight. And he could see, like, he was telling Magnus, hey, you need to do these things because these other things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. As though he knew. I I mean, and I'm of the mind that he is almost omnipotent and that he's totally aware of where these things are to a certain point. Like, um, omnipotent out to a stretch. And so he, he got to this point and maybe he knew that um, Horace would turn on him and knew that that would lead to people then worshiping him as a god and that would bring them all of mankind together in this particular way Mm. but not see how bad that would go and how 
maybe dark it would go. Or maybe he could see the other side. What's like the, on the other on the other end of all it. the way over? Yeah, like past all that. Down. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I don't know what the the theme of Warhammer. Like we have to remember meta outside of all the stories is that this is a game and it's i mean at, at the base of it they're, they're trying to sell models and, and paints and things sure and one of the themes that shows up in pretty much everything that they have is that in the grim dark future or in the grim darkness in the grim and dark future of the fu- god i don't know what the the line is what the it's in all the things. All, yeah. <laughs> Just watch a in the grim video darkness future. There is only war. In the future, the gr- it's grim and dark, and there's only war. Those wow. words sound right. I just don't know I'm what order they're supposed to be in. <laughs> butchering the the tagline, but I just put it on the screen. If they say, if for example, the emperor came back uh-huh. in some fashion, how that would happen, I don't know. But he comes back. He's totally alive. He's good to go again. Mm-hmm. He's walking around among people. All right. Then what happens? Is it still grim and dark? Like what? How does this this work? I mean, it only seems like it, it works the way that it is as this game and the, the grimness and the darkness with the emperor being the god emperor in this dead, maybe not dead. Nobody really knows. It's not 100% clear on the throne. Like He's in this kind of half alive state. Yeah. And he's living in the hearts of many, in the minds yeah, of many. Yeah, he's definitely alive in that sense. Mm-hmm. And he's in the... I have a stupid question. Okay. Is he a psyker? Yeah, he's he's the most powerful psyker that ever lived. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. That's what allowed him to do much of what he's done. I see. I'm just marking down the minute mark. I may have missed one. But that the furnace is turning back on. Okay. One of the things that he tries to do is build. I like it, it. There's a pathway in right there in the golden throne, a doorway into the webway, which isn't the warp, and it's not no, the material. It's that's kind what of the bet- Harlequin live in. Yeah. It's well. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or I do res- where they reside. They yeah live there. They kind of hang out there. They use it. They they know their way around the webway better than pretty much anyone. Um, which allows them to get around and do all sorts of crazy shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I guess that's Segarak's realm. Or I don't, again, I don't know how to pronounce that, but that's how I've been pronouncing it, the, the Laughing mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And so the Emperor, at least at one point in time, was trying to utilize the webway, but that turned against it. I forget what happened and why that went bad, but he wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. And demons started spilling in, and they almost got to Terra through the webway until mm-hmm. he had to shut it down and send i think like his head um adeptus custodes in there to basically sacrifice his life to stop these final demons from getting through and breaching the the so yeah that that's no good anymore hmm. webway stuff is not not happening hmm. but the reason i'm saying some of this stuff is because uh i don't know why i'm not sure what my point is <laughs> well I was going somewhere god, with it. The emperor and talking about him being god and omnipotent. Mm, mm-hmm. You've had your own ideas about that for some time. Yeah, absolutely. Um. He, so he, whatever form that he is alive on the throne, whether it's just a, 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 
a scrap of skin that has wires and nodes into it, just kind of pumping it with fluids or a full body in a a sarcophagus, whatever it is, there's something there. Mm -hmm. Even if it's no material of of his body anymore, Mm -hmm. something is on the throne or in the throne. Even if it's an empty space, that emptiness is something. But what really matters is like you mentioned a moment ago is that how he's alive in the hearts and minds of all of these people. Yeah. And that makes me think that maybe he could see into the future enough to know that the Great Crusade would live on. Yeah. Um, without him. And he went back to Terra to potentially deal with chaos in some other way. Well, that's what is it's said that he's battling the forces of chaos in the warp. Like mm. day, like constantly. That's mm. that's what he's doing. Okay. Um, and you could argue that there's no way to kill him now unless you eliminate all of humanity and every trace of him. It's very much like Jesus in in in, in the real world, yeah, in the material and, world right now. And and that comes with the baggage of interpretation and the way that people behave. Based off of their interpretation of the Bible or of the not what word. not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is that this these individuals are alive. I mean, how they're viewed as alive. Yeah, like Santa Claus or Batman, right? Or Superman, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I've said, and I still feel this. I I I know it to my core to be the truth that Batman is more real and more alive than I am. So is Santa Claus. So is the Easter Bunny. So is any of those characters, so is, like, Wolverine. More people know of them, and they will live longer than I do. I mean, and th- have there's more of an impact. Perhaps. More of an impact. They'll, they'll change more lives than, than I have. Like, the, 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 the Avengers movies have unquestionably changed lives. And you're like, like, oh, who went and saw the Avengers movies and had their life changed? Just look well, at Black Panther. You, we could look at Black Panther, but look at the people who worked on those movies. The people who who are part of those movies and and okay. helped create this thing and then are able to say, oh, this is on my credit, and then are able to work on other projects or any of the main like it definitely changed Robert Downey Jr.'s oh life. yeah like he I mean just, he's like became Iron Man right <laughs> and like he's he he's, has <laughs> more money than most people on the planet yeah there there are there are far more people that have less money than Robert Downey Jr. than than there are that have more than him. And that's true of all of the actors in that movie, pretty much. Yeah, and then you could even break that down and talk about the individuals that became those characters by acting them out. Mm -hmm. Like, think about a book that you read. I don't know if anybody listening does this, but I know when I read a book, like actually read a book rather than listen to it. When I listen to it, sometimes happens, but not as much. Um, I fall into the character and I find myself thinking in a similar fashion to the main character that I'm reading about in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. That's just a thing that I do. So thinking about an actor portraying a certain character and how much that would change them, like just small things. Yeah, like that. especially when you so see like uh, um, Chris Evans going to these children's hospitals and mm-hmm. like dressed up as – Iron or not Iron Man, um, Captain America or or Robert Downey going as Iron Man and stuff, and and, and Thor. I mean, there's nobody yeah, else that, that too. yeah, there's yeah. no other actors or cosplayers that could do it as well as the people that you see in the movie. <laughs> and yeah. they have, I mean, they're that that's there. Yeah. They might not look 
quite as good as they do in the movie because there's all this digital stuff and you got full teams of makeup and they're going to be looking their best that they, they could physically look and then and beyond mm-hmm. in the movies. But there's no other person on yeah, the planet that's going to be. They are yeah. that. So when that when Captain America, Chris Evans, walks into a kid's room and she's like, oh, my God. I mean, mm-hmm. that's going to have an impact on that kid and on those those parents. Like, undeniably. Sure. Bringing it back to 40k, and on a, you've, you're talking about the God Emperor on. Oh, I'm falling out of frame here. Um, on a on a galactic scale, I mean mm-hmm. the the Sisters of Battle or the Adeptus Custodes or the Imperial Guardsmen. Any one of those factions alone could probably keep him alive in a very strong way. Is it Adeptus Custodes? Or I don't Adeptus know. Custodes, Custodes. Okay. Custodes I, I don't know. I've not heard an official person pronounce it yeah, i haven't okay. looked either so i i, I, I do not I've know i've heard like luton i think say custodies but custodies i just don't know okay i don't know i don't either um yeah i agree with that so it's interesting because regardless if the regardless of whether or not I don't know if that makes sense. Um, the emperor of man wants to be a god. He's becoming one. I mean, he is one at or this point in the one. story. Yeah. I mean, at the at 30K, no, he is becoming one. Yes. And at 40K, he full on undeniably without a doubt. And the thing that I find interesting about that, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, when I was at work, because I was, I guess I'm kind of slow on certain things, but I made the connection between the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the uh gods of chaos you got nurgle mm. which is pestilence mm-hmm. famine isn't that isn't that the same one that pestilence famine famine um, it's not two right pestilence well there's one that creates a bunch of no i'm pretty sure they're separate really? pestilence and famine are separate and then there's war and then and death death is it death that seems so uh, uh, on the nose. The figure representing conquest rides a right, right horse, white so horse. Conquest, no. Th- then no. there's war, oh. a red horse, famine, a black horse, and plague, a pale horse. Okay, so pestilence, plague, okay. and famine. Okay, I guess plague and famine kind of seem to fall in the same. But well, famine, it's like a a bunch of locusts coming to a crop and, and or destroying or just everything. lack of and food. Then and then there's poisoned food. Those are separate, right? I guess People so. getting sick versus not being able to eat. Fair enough. I, I guess it depends on how you want to look at things. And I guess different times will have their 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 ultimate bad gods. But Nurgle is the god of all things just rot and decay. So but also but also new stuff coming to life as well. Hmm. Then what would Slanesh be? Slanesh is, no, I guess maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm not saying that there's a direct corollary between them, but there is four gods of chaos and there's four horsemen, Hmm. but there's only one good god. Hmm. And something that I, and the the reason I'm mentioning this is, I got to get rid of that fucking phrase. The reason I'm mentioning this reason, blah, blah, blah. But anyhow, that's not much better. (laughs) Well, you got to use some words. Got to use some words. (laughs) I got to use some words. That's going to be the one. I got to use some words. No, that's not a good, not a good replacement. Um, 
where is it going with? Oh, right. I've read a few different books on mysticism and chaos magic, kind of the sort that Grant Morrison is into and The Secret. I've, I've read plenty of these kinds of esoteric books. I don't mm -hmm. know about certainly not as many as some people, but a lot more than a other handful. people. Yeah, yeah sure. I've read a few. And a theme that comes up repeatedly and that I know to be a fact mm -hmm. is that there is more bad than there is good. Hmm. Also, doing the wrong thing is a lot easier than doing the right oh, thing. Sure. Making a mistake, doing making the incorrect choice is a lot easier than making the correct choice. Yeah. At one point, we would have conversations for hours about this hmm. very thing. Yeah. About how there is very likely, if not definitely, a single true universe and many other parallel universes infinite parallel universes in which things aren't quite as good and it just like the farther you get away from that pure perfect universe mm -hmm. the the more bad things are happening right yeah the way that i visualize it is that you've got a, a perfect a, a line of light this is it, this is the perfect line the more that you're doing all of those correct actions, the, the more that you're making those correct actions, the more you're in that, the longest timeline, the longest time line, I don't know why I repeated myself, possible. Any deviation from that will start to get worse and worse and worse. I don't know why I always visual it, visualize it as going multiple directions, but I, I see this in my mind as a three-dimensional thing. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not 2D. Mm -hmm. You might make the bad choice of, doing all of the drugs you might make the choice of doing all of the murdering things you yeah. might make the choice of breaking into all of the, the yeah like, and here's the line right just right here whatever and here's you yeah you and there's different deviations you could be doing all of the drugs and murdering all the people like it could just be bad but then you'll spiral yeah. out and you, like, that's not going to go well for you for very long but your compass is truth and all of this yeah because the perfect universe is full of truth it's just all truth mm -hmm. all throughout everyone making the exact right decision and so that's why when you see somebody like a gymnast doing the perfect floor routine or or whatever they might be doing like that's why it's so beautiful and can sometimes bring a tear to one's eye or, or, or a like composer crying. Yeah. yeah a composer creating a piece of music that touches you on on a level that you just you can't really articulate yeah um because they have come as close to that universe if not right alongside it or within it at times yeah um as as possible like they are speaking the truth with their action in and that the, moment the reason that there are more bad things is because there's more bad ways to go yeah. you might follow the line of of nurgle and be all rot and decay i mean i i see these people on the streets in seattle I see the people. <laughs> you see Nurgle. <laughs> I see Nurgle in a very clear way in the yeah, streets. I like, see Nurgle. Too. I've I've seen his his work at play out in the the streets in the. Sh That's rampant. <laughs> yeah. Then there's the people that follow corn, which are the the oh, the that's people. That war? That's war. Okay. That that's. At strife, it's it's the people that you the the hooples that you see battling each other and yelling at each other like oh, I told you last week about the shoving each other. Arguably, where I came from, okay, it's like constant war, just unrest and chaos. Right, and this just, is just what we want to do all the time. Just battle, this is battle, battle, strife, 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 and then you've got Zeech, which is kind of a weird one. I don't know how that one materializes itself in the. 
What is Zeech about? Zeech is the two-headed bird vulture thing. He's all mm. about fate and change and, and just mm. kind of like messing with people's things. I, I guess I would see that as a lot of the media and just playing like manipulation, on, manipulation maybe social media, just playing on people, just messing with people and just causing problems. Well, can they kind of see... And confusion. Can they see, like, the path to good and the path to bad? I don't and know. Then, I don't know much I about it, Zeech. Oh, okay. And then just kind of, like, as you say, stoke the fire. I mean, it's it's more on this full-on manipulation. I, 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 would, I, I would imagine it right now in very limited knowledge as political figures and just mm. messing with things like that mm. okay. just just screwing with with how things are going to go oh we're going to add this addendum to this bill to do this thing over here and then it's going to cause these problems and it's kind of a weird one then you got slanesh which is all about just like hedonism to an extreme like yeah. a, a hedonistic sadomasochistic extreme and I don't know how much you – that's the kind of stuff that usually happens behind closed doors and doesn't come out until later on. Oh, this person was caught on these whatever charges, transmitting various images of a extremely inappropriate nature online. This person over here was caught doing this thing that they really shouldn't have been doing because it was both dangerous to their health and the health of the other person being thing, whatever. Mm. Just – just depravity and and but not not the kind that brings about rotten sickness it might lead to that hmm. and not the kind that brings strife it's just sadomasochism that's that's like um self-harm yeah it would and be I, some of that it's also harming others but then like everyone enjoying it and being part of that okay i mean that's what the Drakari are kind of all about yeah in, in a way, they're, they're more That's about they causing pain to others. Yeah. But the Eldar kind of ended up where they are because they were just trying to take things to further and further heights. And they just, hmm. yeah, they just got a little bit too nutty hmm. with their arts and their performances. And it's like, oh, we're going to have this art show when it's a thousand bodies hanging on a wall, all bleeding at once and screaming their last breath at the same exact instance. And I don't know, I just made that up. It's not from anything, but that seems like the kind of thing that they might have tried to do. And Slanesh would just came into being and rip this thing that's called the Eye of Terror in the middle of the galaxy. It just hmm. ripped this whole thing asunder hmm. because it was such a big cataclysmic event. There's so much. Yeah. But there's only one good path, and you could say, well, the God Emperor isn't all that good. Well, compared to the other ones, I mean, it's a, you could, I guess there are certain people that could definitely argue, okay, well, he's just another of the five gods of chaos. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's interesting in this book because at the very end in part three, the individuals that we follow throughout the book, like the, uh, Horus and all of his, Brethren, yeah, they show up and they interact with this race called Interix, mm -hmm. which had come from Terra originally, and they split off from the rest of humanity. I don't know exactly how that happened, but now yeah. they're meeting back again, at least some of them. And something that they say has to do the Interix. Yeah, uh -huh. um, I don't know if 
it inspires Horace to kind of question whether or not they should be destroying all of these worlds. But they had said something about the mega arachnids that Horace had encountered on the planet Murder mm-hmm. that they had just come from. Mm-hmm. But how um, when the Interrex encountered that species, instead of wiping them out, they put them in a secluded area to kind of do their own thing. Mm-hmm. As long as the mega arachnids weren't able to mess with other people because they would cause terror on anyone trying to impede on what it is that they had as a goal, which is basically just reproducing as much as possible. Yeah, they seem a lot like Tyranids. I don't know what they are, but that, the they, they, yeah, but they, they, they seem very similar. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they, they don't really have the ability to... Um, make a choice on an individual level no it's it's more yeah. Yeah, hive mind i mean i i see that that take but i also think that that take is wrong mm. i don't agree with it that certain things oh like, like because very quickly you end up with the whole well what is good and what is what is evil well, and you know these things are just doing what they do and as long as they do that thing over there on that planet then then it's all fine and dandy I don't know. I do like the libertarian philosophy of um, basically you can do what you want as long as you're not harming other people. Yeah. And that sounds nice, but I don't think it works for an extended period of time. Because human nature. Human nature is the problem. Is the problem. As we know that. I don't know anybody where this is not the case, but as soon as you get X, you want X plus one, you want X plus two. So as long as you're doing what you're doing, whatever it is with you and your club, and you're fine with that, but it probably won't stay just that club with just those people. You'll probably want to bring no, more people I mean, into your club and <laughs> and you'll probably want to maybe amp, amp it up a little bit. But it's, it's not only that, but... If you follow your mind, if you if you pay attention to your mind, or at least when I pay attention to my own mind, what is happening is not, I, I word it this way, but it's not exactly right. It's not good enough. Like my mind will come up with other things or like stories as to why there's this much water in my glass as opposed to this much or that much. Like, okay. like just small things. My mind will just wander and create whatever. Uh-huh. And so I think... The antidote to that is to be aware of it. And I think that you can kind of follow that logic. What does that tie into leaving well enough alone? Oh, you're fine over there as long as you're doing whatever you're doing behind closed doors and it's not harming anybody else. How does this tie into that? I don't know about other races, but when it comes to the human race, I... Being a human, I know that I have the ability to choose to do the wrong thing or the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so being aware that I am capable of doing the wrong thing, I try and take that awareness with me. So when I'm presented with a choice, I can choose to do the thing that I at least think is the right thing in the moment. I'm missing how this but ties into that. I, I don't know. Okay. Because... I don't know. Where I was going with the whole Interx leaving the mega arachnids on that planet as being not the right move to make. Yeah. Think of it in terms of mosquitoes. 
that spread malaria. Or how about COVID, COVID-19, or the Black Plague? We could just say those are things. They're they're entities. They're mm-hmm. non-sentient viruses, bacteria, whatever. They're just doing their over their thing. They're just doing their own thing. Yeah. What if we just let them do their own thing in that petri dish over there? And they're not going to harm anyone. What happens if it gets well, out of the petri dish? I do I mean I don't know, but I have heard that there are those viruses locked away in in laboratories and just kind of held captive for like bio warfare. Okay. Or just to like have it to That study. doesn't seem like a great idea to me to just have those things around. It seems to me that if we could just a hundred percent eradicate them from existence that doesn't mean that we eradicate the uh, knowledge that they, they could be made again. But I, I think a world without any nuclear weapons in it at all is a better one with a lot of stockpiles of nuclear weapons. Yeah. You were talking recently about Graham Hancock and how he has said humans as a species have some thing, somewhat of a... An yeah, that's his phrase. That's, that's his phrase. Like he, they may have amnesia. No, they, no. Wait, wait. I no. want to make it clear that that is his yes, phrase. Yes, that's his. Yeah. I'm saying you were talking about this the other yeah, day, yeah. whenever it was. And I, I do think that there is some truth to that. I don't think that if we just – hold on. I don't I'm think not, that if we just yawning. eradicated Nazi Germany and everything that happened – in Nazi Germany and the surrounding countries during World War II from the history books, from human memory. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you eradicate things from... from, I'm just saying, like, if if you pass information along, down the line, long enough, will the knowledge of that thing be powerful enough to prevent humans in the future from making the same mistake? If they can't see it for what it is. We're getting a little too in the weeds from from the Interex putting the megarachnids on this planet as somewhat of a prison. Yeah, yeah. And how that's a, I think, a poor choice as opposed to just obliterating and nuking the planet. Exterminatus wiping them out. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine... Okay, here's a scenario that could very possibly happen in the 30K universe. Mm -hmm. They go, all right, we're going to make this planet a um, a, a, a penal colony, basically. It's Australia for the megarachnids. They're just, if we find megarachnids, we put them there and they can just live their lives. I don't, okay, I don't know how long they're able to live. I mean, they sound like these apex super predators that just wipe out everything. So how do they stay alive? They rebuild their environment, as far as I know. Okay, do they, what do they eat? I don't know. The I mean, larvae were eating something, Okay, I don't know. I, it kind of seems like eventually they just wipe out the planet and maybe they just die of starvation because they just obliterate everything. I mean, there's stories about this happening in different countries and islands around the world in, in, in modern history. Like, not that long where, oh, we're going to introduce a couple of wolves to this oh, island sure. to get rid of some of the cats or the elk or whatever. I, I don't know the exact scenario. And then they decimate – not decimate, but they obliterate all of the whatever and then they populate to the point of, oh, there's nothing else alive here. Or the cats being a huge, huge problem oh, in Australia. Toads, yeah. Huh? I said or toads, cane toads. Yeah, all sorts of things, yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. 
Yeah. And so messing with it at all. Hang on. My point with the mega arachnids is, okay, we've got this planet. The mega arachnids completely are, that's their planet. A, a, a sea, a, a space varying vessel comes in. Oh, we need a, pl- a crash plant landing planet. We're, we're, we're out of fuel. We have no resources. Oh, let's land on this planet. Oh, you're just uh, uh, immediately obliterated. You're, you're, you're due to a twist of fate. You landed on this planet that otherwise might have been fine if we had nuked all of the mega arachnids, but you can't use that as a, as a safe haven now because Clearly, it's okay for sustaining life. They were the Stardies were roaming around without helmets on. The yeah. Megarachnids were breathing something akin to air. Yeah, I I just with this example in particular, I think you would need to be omnipotent to make the right decision because who knows what sort of impact the Megarachnids would have on the universe at large if they were just left alone or wiped out. Like either way, okay, I don't mean that to enough. be like a, a non-answer, but. I do personally believe, call me crazy, that there's an equal and opposite reaction to everything that happens. Oh, there is. That's not. A, that doesn't make you crazy. That's that's a fact. But I, I take that to the extreme, where like I drop this pen, and that has an impact. Yeah, on I agree. So much more than I can comprehend. Right. It it does. Everything has some sort of butterfly ripple effect. But if we were to say, okay, let's take all of the. I don't know, the the mosquitoes that have the ability to pass on malaria, just those mosquitoes, we're we're able to isolate them Mm -hmm. and we're going to put them on this one island that nobody goes to. It's the very last island in the Hawaiian chain. Yeah. Let's put that there. Okay. Those are all the mosquitoes there. They feed on random things, birds that come by, I guess, the occasional bats, the whatever, the things, the rats. Okay, cool. They're there. What are we gaining by keeping them around? I don't know. Oh, there's this thing that comes out later on down the road. Maybe. Okay. What about the 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 the, the Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio beach type people that, you know, they're not supposed to. Everybody's not supposed to go to that island because it's the island of all the horrible That's things. So like beautiful. pretty soon we we run out of islands to put horrible things on. Maybe yeah. we just start eliminating the horrible things. Yeah. Like you could say the same thing about d- – the rust in the Dutch oven. Oh, let's not eliminate the rust because mm-hmm. rust is its thing. No, it's a problem that's preventing us from using the Dutch oven to bake delicious chili. I want delicious chili. I know it's good. It's good. That sustains life. Yeah. That allows us to do things. The yeah. rust is preventing us from doing that. The rust is a problem. The rust thus must be eliminated. Yeah, I guess the question there is what is entropy and what is it not? Possibly. Like, are I mean, you saying the rust me. is entropy, but the mega arachnids slash mosquitoes, whatever. Or that, malaria. Yeah, might not be. I, I don't know. I, I have thought, and <laughs> people might think I'm crazy, that COVID is a form of nature saying, hey, maybe things should be different. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we go, oh, let's take all of the COVID, if this were even possible. Let's mm-hmm. suck it, vacuum it up. And put it in a jar and put that on a shelf that says all the bad things. Let's just leave it there. Well, no, that's still messing with the way of things. No, we, we vacuum it up, put it in that jar, and then throw that jar into a black hole exactly. if, if we had the option. Exactly. That is still interfering with the natural order of things. But like that's the thing about humans is like, we have to make an impact. So we have to choose to do one thing. Right. Or exactly. Something I heard, I don't know where it was, but it's it stuck with me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Is that... 
humans are part of nature. Yeah. So often people act as though, <laughs> oh no, humans are this thing separate from nature,、yeah. and nature happens, and then humans are there as though nature and all of all of reality. Is a stage on which we humans interact on. No, no, we're, we're in nature part right of now. That. Yeah, but I don't know where that disconnect came from. But I can only think from development. Yeah, over you know generations. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah, it got wacky.、Um, but maybe that's why you need a god, so that you do need a god, so that. Um, there is some omnipotent force in your life that can guide you in the right direction, even though it may not feel right in the moment. Yeah, it may I, not be something you want. When I'll、do. say things like "Oh, praise the God Emperor,"、uh, I'll, I'll say various things occasionally. It's not all the time, but sometimes on, on a comment or something,、oh, or、okay. very, various times,、okay. and I mean that in a in a in a literal sense, as though this、mm-hmm. is an, a living being, because. He is more alive, just in the way that Batman and all those other people that I mentioned earlier is more alive and more real than I am. Yeah, and you're speaking a certain language within a community that understands that language. Yeah, yeah.、Um, in in closing, here I want to show you something. Well, actually, I first I will first ask you this: What is Dark Tide? Hmm. It's what happens no, when the sun、on. goes down. You don't down. know what you're I don't know. I have、okay. no idea what dark tide. That's、is. a good thing to start with. Well, you have like during the quizzes of the grim dark, or the one quiz. I was that different. You gave me okay. I, d- I have no idea. Okay, I'm gonna show you a trailer <laughs> for Dark Tide. Do you know what Left for Dead is? Oh, that's the name of the game that I had played that I was trying to tell you. Yeah, that's the stupid zombie game. Maybe not stupid. Wait, what? Left for Dead isn't that a zombie game? It is a zombie game. You were trying to tell me about that. Yeah, this was like within the past few weeks. I was talking about a zombie game that I had plagues. We were talking about zombies and how zombies as a thing aren't that interesting to us. Okay. And I said, yeah, there's this zombie game that I played, and there are just hordes and hordes and hordes and endless hordes of zombies that would just come after me, and that's just the whole game. That's all you did the whole time、mm-hmm. was just kill zombies and hordes of them. Okay. So. That was the name of the game that I, I don't played, remember I that remember. conversation at all. I remember pretty unimportant things. When? Why were we talking about that? I don't remember. We talked about all sorts of stuff. I, ju- I just I'm trying to imagine the scenario I, in I which that, that came up. I think I was over、up. there by the fridge when we were talking about this. I couldn't think. So. Just like um. Things like that, that people are into, like some people are really into zombies, and you and I were both talking about how we haven't really been that into zombies. Yeah, it was that conversation. I don't know if that rings any bells. Nope, nope. Anyway, all right. I'm going to show you a trailer、tide. for Dark Tide.、Mm-hmm. Clearly, she has no clue what this is, and then we'll finish up with your thoughts on that. Okay. Now you've seen Dark Tide. Now I've seen Dark Tide.、Mm-hmm. It. This is a smashing game. Like, it doesn't look like there's a lot of story. Maybe there is, but it's just、yeah. like go through and destroy stuff. Yeah, horde mode kind of games. There's a bunch. There's been quite a few different games like that. That that company, Fat Shark, as far as I know, had a game called Vermin Tide, and there's two of them: <laughs> Vermin Tide and Vermin Tide Two, which was set in the Warhammer Fantasy universe.、Oh. So、okay. it was more. Yeah, not 40k, and I think a lot of people are like, "Well, why 40? Come on, 40k!" Especially when they came up with the second one. I was like, 
why not do this in 40k and so i wonder if they, they are. couldn't get the rights but that wouldn't make sense because even if you do fan stuff and you make money off of it what do you mean games workshop isn't into that or something but they gave him the rights to do Vermintide, which is Warhammer. Oh, they did. Fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? It was like a fan thing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can do that. Just make a video game and start selling it and make lots of money yeah. using their stuff. Seems odd. That's why seems, as I started to speak and, it seems illegal. And, and say more things about that, it fell apart. Yeah. No. That's not what happened. <laughs> they they got the rights. And they, okay. they and now this is thing. the real one. But I'm confused about the... Wait, I mean, what? this is real lore, isn't it? Dark time? Or were you not saying that? We should restart this. So, <laughs> Fat Shark is a game developer. They yeah. make video games. Fat Shark is a game developer. They make video games. They make video games. <laughs> At some point in the past, some people from Fat Shark must have contacted Games Workshop or the other way around. Some communication was had about making a Horde-style game. Okay. And I don't know what the, took place in those conversations, but at the end of them, there came a game called Vermintide that Vermintide. was set in the Warhammer fantasy setting. I don't know if it's Age of Sigmar or fantasy, whatever. It's not the 40K oh, universe. Oh, fantasy. Okay. There's where I went a different direction mentally. What did you do? I was thinking fan fiction. No, 40K. fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Yeah. So, like, is there a Warhammer game that is based off of Lord of the Rings? Well, that's a tricky question because the answer is yes. Yeah. There's a full-on tabletop Lord of the Rings game. Yeah. But, but that has nothing to do with Warhammer Fantasy. Okay. There's no connection to that at all. But is that tabletop game produced by Games Workshop or not? The Lord of the Rings one? Yeah, but why are you asking about Lord of the Rings? I don't know. <laughs> Where did that come from? I thought it was a part of the fantasy. No. No, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings is its own IP, its own intellectual property. Mm, my, it's completely um, separate from Games Workshop stuff. My intelligence is on display. So Games I'm Workshop, open. they they have gotten the rights to work with the, the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. And they are making a tabletop version of that game, yeah, just like Fantasy Flight Games has a as a card game. Mm -hmm. And there are other video games and movies that get the rights to make those movies from the Tor Tolkien <sighs> estate or yeah, whatever. I got it. Okay, but but Warhammer Fantasy, mm -hmm. Warhammer slash Warhammer Fantasy and and Age of Sigmar are the fantasy worlds that are owned by games workshop that are separate from warhammer 40k correct 100 percent its yeah. own thing because 40k is kind of sci-fi right it's 100 percent sci-fi okay yeah not fantasy at all i mean they're in space and they have spaceships and laser guns and it's based off of our jetpacks there's they're ish yeah. yeah it deals with the laws of physics and mm -hmm. then they break them routinely with with psyker stuff but Terra used to be Earth. Correct. So. Yeah. And I don't believe that in Age of Sigmar, there's a Terra or an Earth. I don't know. My my Age of Sigmar knowledge is almost nothing. If it's fantasy, I would guess not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure not. But it's it's Age of Sigmar is much more like World of Warcraft. There's dirigibles, blimps, and there's the dwarves have guns and things. And I think the fantasy, which was a lot more 
standard fantasy, kind mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings style fantasy. Okay. And they destroyed that world and then came out with Age of Sigmar and people are whatever. Then they're coming back with the old world now. That's okay. it's coming again. But that's all fantasy stuff. And Vermintide was set in some version of those universes. Okay. Was so there's wizards and magic. There's no guns. There's no lasers. There's no jetpacks. There's no hive cities. There's no inner planetary travel like that yeah, but were there hordes like there are in yeah Dark same Tide? style of game exactly yeah hmm. yeah so that's vermintide and this is dark tide same idea but you're in that hive city i don't know what the name i'm sure it has a name i don't know what it is hmm. and you're one of those three four individuals the ogren which are those giant guys i don't know what their deal is i don't know if they're made in labs or if they're bred i don't know but they're they're, they show up throughout the Warhammer universe. Hmm. They they work construction. They do all kinds of things. They, they have all sorts of jobs. And then there's a maybe sister of battle. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was. There's definitely a guardsman. And then there's another person that might be a guardsman. Somebody hmm. I, I saw said maybe it was an assassin, but doesn't really seem like an assassin of the assassin, officio assassinorium. Hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't. It, they didn't look like they were wearing any of the gear. The, it's not an Imperial Guard. I mean, it could be. It could just mm-hmm. be another Imperial Guard, but Imperial Guards don't usually have power swords like that. Mm-hmm. That's uncommon. I mean, they they might, and that's it certainly happened. It's just not. It's not. You don't see power sword and immediately think, oh, Imperial Guardsmen. That's usually something else. Yeah. The Ogren with his big cleaver, his Bowie knife, or whatever. That okay, nothing to balk at there. The Imperial Guardsmen. Those things are pretty standard. But the sister of battle thing the thing that's she's odd strange. is that she's not wearing power armor if she was if she had mm-hmm. her black power armor like the kind of the that you see on so many of the covers you're like oh that's a sister of battle yeah. she is covered in purity seals and she is praying and, and she does have the oath down in front yeah the yeah the, I, it seems that way i don't know but that just came out that trailer just came out today hmm. if you would have told me that that game had been released 15 years ago i would have believed you <laughs> it it doesn't look more advanced than like Gears of War or any of those other horde games. I guess that's true of a lot of games though in the past 15ish years though. Mm-hmm. I mean a, a, a good high-end graphics PC game, I mean maybe 15 years ago you'd probably see although Crisis I think came out in like 2004, 7, I don't know. It's been it's old and it still sets the bar for some of the best graphics around. Interesting. Yeah. Because a lot of game developers started catering to the console market because that's where a lot of money is when it comes to video games. So they just started dumb. Like, why push the graphics to these extreme ends if we're going to just port it to a video uh, console where we have to dumb it down to a tenth of what these high-end PCs can do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there are some companies that are starting to get back on the band bandwagon of or not bandwagon they're starting to make their their high-end pc games more elaborate apparently cyberpunk 2077 which i have not i know almost nothing about is looks amazing on really really super high-end like just built to today december whatever 2020 with all the best stuff running on the max looks great Hmm. um it looks like absolute butt on a ps4 okay on ps4 pro and better on a ps5 but the ps5 and the xbox super bojangly whatever it's called i don't even know what it's called scorpio 
Xbox, Xbox. Now I I don't it, their naming convention is this so is a different language to me. Freaking weird. They right are closer to high end PCs. I think I think the difference between a high end PC and those consoles that have come out is less than say a high end PC and a PS2. This has nothing to do with Warhammer, but my point with all of this is that I think if I showed you a 15-year-old game, it wouldn't look quite that good. Not that that game looks amazing. Mm. It looks solid. Yeah, it looks fun. Like a game to play with friends. I don't think playing it by myself would be very much fun. No, I don't either. But like, if you wanted to go through that together, I mean, we played Uncharted together, and that was a one-person game, and we had fun. Yeah, that I think was we fun. played through some Gears of War games together. I think so. Yeah, too. we played through Diablo. I don't know, a few things. Yeah, the the thing that stood out to me the most about that is that they got the sense of scale correct mm. when you're fl- when they're flying into that hive city. That's always been a disappointment for me seeing a world that was created by somebody else or like a a company mm-hmm. like harry potter is the perfect example when i saw the movies i was thinking well this world is way smaller than what i had in my head mm-hmm. yeah like diagon happens. alley seemed kind of like a theme parky version of what i imagined i mean it was yeah, close like yeah just do that times 10 yeah yeah I mean, there are certain images that I'll see that get it correct. Like, there's that, there's an image of Dune, and if I can remember, mm, if you, I don't the know. If you, yeah, yeah, where it's just, it shows this throne. I mean, it's described as taking days for them to cross this, 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 this room mm. to reach to the other side. I imagined it like the size of a city, and you're walking from the very north end of Seattle all the way down to SeaTac or something, mm. and this is all in an enclosed space. And it's, it's bigger than anything. On any planet right now. I mean, oh, okay, on Earth. I don't know about any planet. I don't know what's out in the world or the, the universe. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Yeah. Getting off into the weeds here. Are you excited to get it, though? That Question? game? Yeah. Like, what was your thought you didn't say? Oh, it looks fun. Yeah. I, there's just... So much more you could do with your time? Yeah. It's not that. Like, there's... I mean, I would... I'd probably pick it up... If it was less than $30 or mm-hmm. if we had a lot more income, but it's not a priority. I mean, I don't know. There's, I don't think that there's any video game that could come out that I'd go, oh, I've got to stop and play that. There's just so many other things like doing this podcast and tomorrow I'm waking up somewhat early to record. I am getting up too. Right. My, but you're not recording. No, my, my point is there's all these things to do and mm-hmm. books to read where I just don't know where playing video games fits in yeah that's why i haven't played magic in so long it's not like i have anything against people that play video games it's just it doesn't fit into what i want to do with my time yeah at one point it did i've spent literal thousands of hours in video games maybe you got all your video game yeah and that's out yeah possibly and i'm fine with that i don't think i will not play video games again i mean i'll play a game of rocket league here and there or, or various things but like I was looking at Death Stranding, and I was thinking, yeah, "Oh man, you were I, so excited about I, that I game." I want to play it. I just go, like, I, "Where do I find the time?" I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I could make the time and do all some squeezing and this and that, but I just. Last game you played through yeah. a bunch was Metal Gear Solid Five. I think. Yeah, I put about a hundred hours into that one. We know there was like some weird game you spent 30 hours playing or something i think it was free to play and you're this character who had all these weapons and you could like throw a parachute on a vehicle 
and it would send it flying into the sky. Oh, Just Cause, yeah. Yeah. That was on the Epic the game. I played out of that game. Not, on, not nearly as much as I played Metal Gear Solid oh, 5. Oh, no, but I don't think that game was nearly as deep as Metal Gear Solid 5, was no, it? No, no. <laughs> Just Cause 4 was free on the Epic Game Store, and I downloaded it and had a bit of fun with that one. Yeah. Then I just got to a point where I was like, okay, I don't care. What am I I'm, doing? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I did all the again. funny things. I, I, I'm good. I'm good. I've grappled enough things and like, watch, I'm going to put a rocket on this and put a balloon. But, and <laughs> but also the channel wasn't doing as well. And yeah, yeah, that was, that's another thing. Like when I put all those hours into Metal Gear Solid, I wasn't doing any of this yeah. stuff that I'm doing. So now this is taking priority. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. think that's everything. You bought me a few models. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to build those. Yeah. I've been building. I built a tech priest manipulous. It's got all these oh, yeah, little things creeping out of his big and, belly. Yeah. Little, little, little. His belly or was being rubbed by a hand. Yeah, and then this, you suggested that right I have it rub one of his little. Like his little potion on the top yeah, of the head. So I cut it off and I reattached it. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought to somewhat of your dismay. Well, come on. <laughs> Well, come the, on. The audience doesn't understand. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of spending happening with Warhammer stuff. We'll just say that. I'm going to hide behind my beard. Okay. Uh, 31 models of Death Guard. And that will give us a thing that we can work on together to build and paint. And that will be our bad guy force. Because... She has Admech, I have sisters, and I'm sure those forces have battled each other, but it doesn't seem like a normal thing that they would be fighting each other. Yeah, it wasn't um, good enough of a story for you, if I recall what you were saying. That's correct, and that's that matters to me. Yeah, that's it's- fine. I mean, I am so agreeable, like I said, that I'll just be like, okay, sure, yeah, you took all of our money out of savings and you bought, like, five armies? Cool. That didn't happen. But now you're making it sound like I did. No, that. I'm. I'm saying if you were to do that, I'd just be like, "We'll figure it out. We'll I don't, save up again." <laughs> I don't think that would be your response. I don't know what it would be. I, I don't. I'm not going to find out what that response would be. That will not be happening. I'd appreciate that. That yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is, it is what it is. Yeah. And we're moving on, and we'll build the Death Guard army. A crusade. We're going to do crusade stuff and we're going to build small things and we're going to figure out how to play this game. We've got the... This is another thing that Del bought recently. Hey, you were thrilled that I got this. You said, I'm so happy you got that. Hmm. I said, I'm I'm happy you got that. Maybe I said so happy. I may have said so happy. I think there was a so. But you said there's a decent amount of lore in there. There's 198 pages of lore. That's the first half of it. Admittedly, it's kind of condensed versions that you would get in a codex. Sure, but I like having just an overview. Yeah, it's great for that. And this is the newest version of the stuff. And then we get into the rules and shows you how to do all that. Yeah, there's a lot there. And there's somewhere in there in the... uh, I'm not sure where, but it talks about Crusade. And that's where we want to start and you got the little information cards for your sisters of battle. It's true. The data cards. Yeah. I, I looked to see if there was Admech ones and they didn't have them. I was going to ask and I thought, no, I'm not going to push it. <laughs> but you bought me an Iron Strider. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not like this is your money. This is our money. But you went out and did these things. Mm-hmm. What else did you buy me? Um, 
you were going to buy me that lady. That lady? I did. Uh, what? The one that was in Linwood? What? The one that you talked to somebody on Craigslist about for $20? Oh, Terry on Apollos. Yeah. Yeah. It was 25 but, you didn't. but I didn't. No. They oh, said okay. they could meet Sunday, and you said, no, don't do that. I said, okay. Yeah. So I texted um, them, and I said, I can't do that. And I said, okay. Uh, Kariah Draxis, mm-hmm. Lord Inquisitor, mm-hmm. and Ephriel Stern, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce this. Is her Ker- buddy? Ker- Kerganil? Kerganil? Ker- I don't know. Yeah, whatever him. A little Harlequin dude. Yeah, and those little raiders, the the the, the, the horsemen. Yeah. yeah. And the manipulus that I already built. Yeah, little guy. I love his belly. I don't know how good he is. If anybody knows how good he is or bad, just let me know. But I'm happy to just put him on display. All right. Yeah. So I have some work to do. And on that note, we will talk to you next week. Bye.